Hey, 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 it's Faye OJ and you're tuned into The Motion, where we get conversation moving in the best way possible. From music to politics to culture to fashion, this podcast is due to get your emotions in motion. Every week I'm joined with two guests and they are tasked with the challenge of swaying my vote in their direction. First they open and then I probe and then they attack pretty straightforward. So the topic today is sort of inspired by recent conversations about billionaires triggered by um, the response to the coronavirus and just different things that are happening around the world in terms of excess wealth. And that sort of just led me to ask, would removing billionaires, would reducing their power, limiting their resources would that solve inequality or are we sort of just doomed as a society arguing that the inequality associated with billionaires is damaging and therefore that should be limited i have nasia hi she is 21 was on her year abroad in france as part of her economics degree but obviously you know the rona said no to that so she's back at home nasia has a podcast called out in the open so you should definitely check that out and on the other side is lola hi everyone thanks for having me faye post Baylor, post UVA law graduate lola's actually from dallas so this is our first international guest Gotta just get right into the opening statement. So, Nasia, I'd like you to begin. So, I'd like to start by saying that I'm not anti billionaires. I think that the way in which the world works, people can definitely come up with interesting, creative, and innovative ways to make money and to capitalize that and to build money. And I think that that's a realistic thing that will occur. But I believe that wealth inequality is a far more realistic way to challenge inequalities in society because it can be managed. And I think that we can't change the behaviours of existing billionaires. But what we can do is limit their ability to convert that wealth into the next generation. And then that allows for every single person who's born to have a level playing field from birth. I don't think that just because your parents had a really, really good and innovative idea... Um, I mean, you're going to profit from that in the sense that you're going to live with them and live the lifestyle that they lead. I think there should be some kind of mechanisms to limit the extent to which you can kind of capitalise on that privilege. I think that while, you know, it is it is like ambitious and it's lovely to say, like in a dream world, yes, everyone should be able to do better and to live and to kind of have a fair even playing field in life. Realistically, it's not kind of the world we live in. I'm all for finding mechanisms, ways to help poor people be less poor. However, I don't think that people who've worked their whole lives should be punished. Their children should be punished because other poor people exist in the world. Secondly, I get confused when people start using the word equality. I'm not sure what by what methods you guys are measuring equality with. And lastly, because money is a limited re- resource to me, Um, No matter how you want to slice it, the more you get, the less I get. You know what I mean? Um, It's not the kind of thing that everybody can have the same amount of with any kind of way you distribute it. And even if you do distribute it where everyone gets the same amount of money, if you wait about 10 minutes, I'm sure someone will talk someone else into giving them their money. So I think what, you know, the concept of wealth inequality is kind of a fallacy. I do think it's idealistic. I don't think it's realistic. Perfect. So just a few things that I just want to ask you both. I just have a few questions to sort of stir the pot a bit. 
I want to ask you both what extent you think inequality drives our economy. I think that it's unrealistic to have perfect equality. I don't think that's realistic and I think that that stifles innovation. Like, why would you get out of bed in the morning if you worked harder than somebody else and got paid exactly the same? I completely agree. I think when I talk about wealth inequality, it's not in the general sense of let's all have the same amount of money. I'm not talking about the average person. I'm not even talking about middle class people. I'm talking about the obscenely rich. It's people that make billions and billions of dollars and live lifestyles that we don't even hear about. It's those people that are buying, you know, gold baths. Why do you need a gold bath? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's that, that's the kind of wealth I'm focusing on. There's nothing wrong with promoting competition and promoting capitalism. I have no issue with that because I completely agree with the need for money to run the economy. We need incentives, we need competition, we need things to drive us forward. And I just think like the marginal utility of money, extra $100,000 to them is, is nothing, it's pennies. If you took a tiny proportion of their money away it would solve world problems and not take away much of their happiness, in my opinion. Okay. And yeah, Lola, I'm just gonna pose that same question to you. Obviously, Nasia spoke about the obscene levels. Would you say that having that top 0.01% realistically is still empowering the rest of the world to strive for that? What are your thoughts on that? While I do understand that there are some social benefits that would come from, you know, the kind of lifestyle that you're advocating, I think that the detriments that would come from that kind of lifestyle would also be, you know, extremely profound, right? Very quickly, we find that there's a line drawing problem, meaning that we don't know, first of all, who counts as hella rich. Even though you may not need that golden bath, I'm not sure who's, who gets to decide what you need and what you, what you don't need. Number one. Number two, I'm not sure when we stop, right? Like, first we say we're going to just take the first 1%. Then we say we're going to take the first 3%. Then we say, you know what I'm saying? It creates the potential for kind of a stifling problem in society, meaning that a large aspect of billionaires, right? And I live in America, so, like, a large thing is, like, the whole American dream, right? And it's like, you know, you can get as much money as you want, and then you can create generational wealth for your family, and blah, 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 blah. If the whole idea is that when you become a billionaire, you can do whatever you want. Somebody coming to say, now when you're a billionaire, we're going to tax you just because you make money. Um, it kind of doesn't make me want to be a billionaire as much anymore. And, you know, if I don't want to be a billionaire as much as anymore, then the next kid doesn't want to be a billionaire as much anymore, then it kind of may have a rippling effect in society. Other social mechanisms that you can pull and levers you can pull. And this is where I might urge that the government takes a bit of a step, you know, seeing what the government and social welfare programs can do. Something that I want to bring, I guess, you Lola in and the audience is Nasia's solution. And obviously she's not a policymaker. She's not a government. She's a 21 year old who is on a year abroad. But I thought it was very, very interesting. I, I'm really passionate about inequality and I, and I understand exactly where you're coming from. And I think one of the major issues is incentives, right? Like no one who earns money wants to give it up. So I had this idea of an inheritance liquidity cap. You can't liquidate more than say, I mean, this is again an arbitrary number that I just made up, like $5 million, right? In your lifetime, your parents spend money on you, they raise you, whatever. When your parents pass away, just in the sense of how much money you can actually ever take should be capped at 5 million. I mean, you can't argue that that's not enough money to carry on in your life with the assumption that given the lifestyle that your parents have brought you up with, 
you won't need that much money. We're assuming in an average situation that you're like 30 or 40, 50, whatever. And it's not assuming that you lose all of your assets. It's like if your family have a beautiful home, that's your home. But if it's worth like $35 million, when you run out of cash because you've been reckless or you're buying ridiculous things, you can't then liquidate that asset to spend, to use as consumption. So it's basically like addressing the kind of obscene levels of consumption by saying like, have all the assets that you want, have all the cars you want to drive. It's kind of ensuring that level of independence that your grandchildren can't live off the cash that their great grandfather earned or great grandmother earned. I mean, going back to your point about the American dream, I thought that was super interesting. I think it'd be interesting to think about how many people actually get there. Like what is social mobility actually like in the States? Because I think the American dream is a kind of ideology that stops unrest in America. If you keep being told you can have this dream, relax. It kind of alleviates all the tension of it's your responsibility, why aren't you hustling? When actually there's a systemic problem in America that prevents social mobility. And I think if you looked at the people who are billionaires and if and their kids and their grandkids, I don't think you'd get an average person moving up and being a billionaire. And I think it protects a certain amount of people who live in this like club of, of wealth and basically profit from it from ever. And they just use the American dream as a kind of like quietener, like don't worry, you can get there too. And I think, the inheritance cap basically just prevents people living off of things that they have no relation to. I mean, it's literally not written down. It's just come from the top of my brain. That's it. <laughs> okay. So I think it's interesting that you think that should happen, you know, once someone has passed away. But what about people who are like living and then constantly passing their wealth down to their children? Do they get monitored as well? Because I think if we're being realistic, it's not just when your rich grandpa dies that you're sort of benefiting off this wealth, which I think you did address. There could very well be situations where someone does live a very long life and they're their children, their grandchildren, maybe even their great-grandchildren are continuing to benefit off this. I think what happens with wealth is that it becomes very, very hard to limit, I guess, this exclusivity. So I looked up a bit about like the ways that you can inherit money in the upper classes and there are three ways that you can advise to do whatever. So one of them is like deferral, which is basically you would just get it when you die. And then you've got gifts, which are basically like credit card payments or your grandchildren's tuition, for example, or buying a home. And then you've got income streams, which are basically consistent amounts of money that you give to your child as like an extra um, income re revenue. In answering your question, it will limit it because there are people who are like living off things that their great grandfather, great grandmother created. I don't have any issue with billionaires making money and giving some of that to their children like they will they'll also be taxed if that's an income revenue then you get tax on it it just prevents like massive sums of money being taken in by people and when i think of like the kardashians or whatever they're living the lifestyle that they've created but with that kind of thing put in place four or five generations down the line won't be able to have that lifestyle unless their parents thought of something creative. It gives you that incentive to actually work for something. Like you can definitely build on the business that your father or mother created, that's totally fine. You can still maybe even make more money than your parents did, but like you're still working. Cause my issue is people who are just living off of money 
and not contributing and just having that kind of like laissez-faire attitude because their parents did something great so they're just fine and they can just kind of do nothing. It's actually funny you should mention the Kardashians because that was actually my next question for Lola because I was thinking about Kylie Jenner. I think people don't give her as much credit because I feel like if it was that easy to become a billionaire, the whole family would be billionaires. But I also think how special realistically can she be sort of in the sense that if you took all of that away is she so special that she would have got to this situation and I think I guess Lola your whole argument is that in aspiring for stuff in dreaming then all this you know meritocracy and working hard it's still it's still in place because you have that yardstick but would you argue that as it gets passed down and passed down and passed down that what is required to get to this level once you're already in the club is is a lot less and in fact you have people working less hard but getting more for it i do want to highlight that all of us probably have different indicators of what success is and what even yeah. the ideal world is for me an ideal world is one in which i don't have to work anymore I don't think that an ideal world is actually working and contributing to a society. I think an ideal world is a world in which machines and stuff do it for us. With all the progress we've made in society, if it doesn't leave out anyone, that would be an ideal world for me. Let's say if Kylie Jenner's or whatever, if the, Gen if the Kardashians keep going the way they're going in a few generations, their offspring won't have to work as hard, but will benefit greatly. I don't actually see a problem with that. I think that if you're ancestors and stuff worked hard and now you're closer to retiring quickly, yay for you. We shouldn't be saying let's limit what people make so more people work more. I think what we should be saying as a society is how do we all progress or how do we all um, contribute to society in a way that we all don't have to work as much. A really good example of that is like Scandinavian. They have a really great economy, you know what I'm saying? Like they got a really great thing going on. And while there's like a lot of different factors that go into like while they don't have as many problems and while their society has progressed so much, I don't think that we can, as a, as a globe, kind of take some of the social progress that they've made and like implement them into our societies. I don't think that we need to start taxing people for success. I think that we should just copy, like more people should copy the blueprint of success. I don't think that it should be looked up on as a negative thing when, you do, when you're doing well. I think that it's the wrong question to ask when you say, would she have been at where she is if it was all taken away from her. Because one thing that people don't pay attention to is her whole entire real estate thing. Like this girl at like 20 was like flipping houses and doing all this extra stuff. A lot of people don't do that. And yeah, she had a lot of tools that a lot of other people didn't have access to. But my solution to that isn't take away her tools or look down on those tools. It's give more people the tools. I would magnify before I suppress. I mean, I understand like why it looks bad, but to me, it's not as bad as, as things would be if you took it away. Do you know what? You both have brought up interesting concepts and what's sort of sticking out to me is that of generational wealth. It's something that we aspire to in principle, but in reality, do we actually? What you just said, Lola, about a blueprint of success. I'm just going to throw ideas out. I don't actually know who, who this is directed to, I'll be honest. But a lot of people, and it's interesting hearing you, Lola, um, as an American, is talking about this because I'd say that 
if you look at sort of the social elements of Scandinavian society, I say it's very different to how I perceive, and I should say how I, Feoj, perceive America, because I feel like there is a lot more collectivism in Scandinavian societies. So it's all well and good saying, let's use them as a blueprint, but if that doesn't actually fit into your country, into the way your systems work, realistically, that is as much of an idealism as the other side of the argument. I would say to some extent, because I think that one of the best parts about being American is how dynamic we are and how amazing we are and how able we are to do whatever we want to do. We will talk all day about how socialism is trash and how we hate all kinds of, all these agendas, but guess what? As soon as we have a disease, everybody's in the house. We're having all kinds of social structures. We're having all kinds of, let's give people money, let's do this, let's do that. So to some extent, we can't replicate those concepts in Scandinavian countries. But if we wanted to, we could. And that's the best part about having the kind of country we have. We could do whatever we want every single time. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know about we can't do it because I think we could if we wanted to. We just don't want to yet. People like to sign on to things that benefit them when it's like okay well if you stay in your house and if you do some of these socialist principles and stuff like that it will benefit you then i think it's easy to push it push it through you just gotta flip it the right way interesting nasia completely unrelated point i just want to ask if i'm going to be real i trust bill gates a lot more than i trust some of the people in power won't mention any names and if bill is the one that's going to get me out of you know a global pandemic I actually feel a lot more comfortable having this sort of isolated person who's made his money from just being a random computer whiz than alternatives that might be a government. And I just want to know like, it's all sort of what you think about that because the more we limit this wealth and whatever, and please, if you're listening, I understand there are bad billionaires, but I'm focusing on the good ones for now. The more we sort of take it away and put it into the government, it's still putting power into a hand. Whether you've got it with Bill or whether you've got it with the government, I don't think those issues go away. Okay, so I, I agree, right? I agree. I think I would rather give a philanthropist with a good track record my money than a government where I there's no accountability, traceability, I don't relate to them, all that jazz. That's bigger than me because that's a big old problem. <laughs> like, why have we got to a point where in the most developed countries, in quotation marks, I want to give my money to a philanthropist rather than the government? Like, that is a massive problem. I think, you know, maybe we should just encourage billionaires to give gifts to philanthropists and it won't be taxed. Let's do that. Because frankly, at this point, I don't trust governments at this point. The chancellor changes every five minutes. Like, I literally cannot keep up. Who is he now? I know he's doing a good job, but like, who are you? I can't keep up. I think let's create, you know, effective altruism, NGOs that put money in the right places, grassroots organisations. But that is as making the assumption, again, that I am a person with an altruistic nature that wants to give, right? And unfortunately, not everybody's like that. So for those people who would never, ever give to charity, government tax is good because someone will receive something, right? I think that's a really interesting point to sort of launch the main debate on. I will say you guys have both highlighted the nuance in these debates, but I am going to take my hands off because I'm not going to lie, we're going to territory that I don't even know if I understand. So I am going to let you guys go at each other. It is time for the main debate. I feel like I can give a fair view because I understand exactly where you're coming from. And I have a lot of family in America. My grandmother is from New Jersey and my mum went to university in Alabama. <laughs> Welcome, sis. And I think that 
it is beyond unrealistic to assume that if if a majority of people wanted a socialist kind of stance in America, they would get it. Because the way that the political system is set up in America does not provide an easy way to change anything. That's why you still have, like, rules and regulations and laws from, like, the 18th century, because it benefits the rich. And I think that... I know you mentioned about, like, magnifying the magnifying people before um, suppressing them, and I understand that. But I think that it is so easy when you bring loads of rich people to have this massive catalyst where they just make so much money. And, like, you've got... The, America had an opioid crisis. People, like, there's gun crime everywhere. You know, kids don't go to school. There's no healthcare system. And so you cannot say that if America wanted better, they would get it. You haven't just realised it yet because people are literally crying, knocking on doors, asking for things and not getting it because it's not in the incentive of the very few that own all the power. And so I think, although I'm not advocating that Britain is the societal pedestal, like, I'm not saying that at all, but, like, I have a friend... I had a housemate in France who was from Finland and Finland is a tiny country. There are five million people, I think, who live there that's like smaller than london so imagine if like you wanted to create the ideal city it'd be so easy right to create the rules the laws because you're controlling like five million people the reason why scandinavian countries do so well and they have all these societal influences is because they're tiny i think that you could try and push for socialist things in the states but like you could never ever achieve scandinavia even if everybody wanted to because you've got way too many people it's like a completely heterogeneous heter- heterogeneous society with too many things going on and i just think like america has not got it in it to be like that yes like you know i wasn't saying that america will wholeheartedly embrace socialism or social um social structures like that i don't think we will and i do think it's on purpose that the system works the way it does and i agree that scandinavian countries are easier to manage because of their size i do think that you know, in this conversation over inequality and how we can alleviate inequality for the masses, I still kind of want to return to the idea that there is something to be learned by those countries who have done socialism well. You know, I do think that America has a lot to benefit. And I'm not saying like we need to wholeheartedly embrace it. Yeah, sometimes it's sticky to get laws passed. My whole thing with the whole ease thing is like, just because something's not easy to do doesn't mean it's impossible to do. And if enough people care about it enough, it will get done. And that's one thing I've seen consistently in this country. A lot of people don't even know what public health is globally, but yet all of a sudden we're all accepting public health officials when it matters and when it's important. Inequality to me, is a slippery slope because at the end of the day, it's always going to be unequal. And if we're talking about the very rich and the very poor, we should focus on like whole scale, multifaceted, many factor ways to implement the change that we're looking for. But just playing around in economics and playing around with who has what money, I don't think is a real solution to the problem. It's a lot deeper than just you have money. Like it's even a lot deeper than your parents had money. It's more so like you had health, you had a life outcome, you had like you survived gun violence, you survived opioids, you survived this, you survived that. So it's just not as simple as playing around with money for me. Firstly, I wonder what exactly is equality and then the inequality part like Is it inequality of outcome? Is it inequality of opportunity? Is it inequality of what? Could you make that statement 
being people who are British and who live under the whole king and queen thing. You know, like, I don't live under that kind of regime, but you guys have lived under that thing all your lives, but you still have a problem with inequality, which to me seems embedded in, in the fundamentals of your whole society. So I think that's super interesting. And I don't have a full-blown answer to the question. For my opinion, I'm all about equality of opportunity because I'm not going to defend someone who has no money and just push them out and say, you deserve the best because everyone is equal. I don't agree. But I just think, you know, so many kids get trapped in their circumstance and they can never, ever, ever, like, fulfil half of their potential just because of where they were born. And I think, for me, that is my biggest shame. Why does your parents have to influence what you are able to do when you're going to die, if you're going to make it to school, if you eat, if you have to walk around different neighbourhoods because it's not safe? Like, I don't believe that any child should be born bearing that weight. I'm not anti-private school. I'm not saying that if you have the money, you can't give your children the best. But I just think that, you know, we need to, as a society, understand what is the, the acceptable, what is an acceptable standard of education? Of course, not everyone's gonna have the same as everybody else, but like, what are the things that you genuinely have to know? Can everyone know them? And make sure that everyone kind of re reaches this acceptable standard of living because then we can move and some people do way 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 better but i just think like you know be safe have access to education if you then don't use your education because you don't want to that's your choice right but i just think everyone should be able to be educated to have the opportunity to know what they can do and then decide if they want to do it. There is no excuse in the United Kingdom for kids to go to school hungry. We have enough money. It sounds like you're more pro-social welfare. And secondly, if you think a solution of the whole billionaire, since the government isn't going to do it well, um, would, would society benefit from just more transparency with billionaires? So as opposed to taking money away, could a solution be more, let's just see what y'all are doing with your money? To me, I'll let you know right now, like, I'm not, I don't feel obligated to give anybody any kind of statement over what I do with my money. Let me let you know right now. But, like, I can say, like, maybe if you're making, like, tens of billions or whatever, if you're making over a cap, just know that now we're going to make you say what you're kind of doing. And maybe not, like into the grains, but like kind of, you need to let society know what you're doing with your money. So, um, so we know if we need to look out for you, if you're a bad billionaire, or a good billionaire, how would y'all feel about something like that? So, um, I thought it was really interesting about what you said about like a threshold, like past a certain amount of money, you have to declare how you're making that money. Because I think people who make loads and loads of money, like Bill Gates, I don't no, 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 not how you're making it, where you're spending it, unless I'm confused about the issues. If the issue is billionaires aren't contributing into society, then where are they contributing? Are they spending all their money on gold sinks or gold tubs? Or are you spending your money on Bill Gatesing? Or are you spending your money on the dark web buying illegal weapons? Where are you putting that money? Are you a good billionaire or a bad billionaire? Now, I don't want it to be how you're making it, because I think that's a whole different conversation. I think that's interesting. I, I don't know if anybody has the right to know how you spend your money. Mm, and I don't think anyone has the right to know how you make it. To me, the issue is where, where are you spending it? As a billionaire, anyway. Where is Kylie Jenner spending that money? Is she so dumb where she's actually spending her money on lip kits? 
or is she actually low-key a, a super genius and she's pretending like yeah. she's dumb but really she's making sure that black and brown women globally aren't recognized for the work that she steals from them yikes so it's just things like that where it's like would you be more comfortable with that but then you know your first reaction is the reaction which is like i think that that's a fair reaction so that's why i'm like with the whole billionaire thing it's kind of hard to find a solution that works for everyone in terms of what should happen with them which is why i think ultimately leave the billionaires alone push up the bottom and let everybody aspire to just making more money and doing better with their whole scenario i support that but to the extent of what if the billionaires are pushing people down? So what we have is a non-alignment of incentives. It's the whole issue of if you eat more, I eat less, the scarcity of money, and that people in power don't have the incentives to really push people up. I don't think that we can just naturally let people do the good thing. The good thing is subjective also. I know that's not really a fair answer, but it's more, we can't push everybody up at the same time is what I'm saying. There are always opposite and equal forces and you cannot have one big push up without other people compromising. I hate to introduce Lord of the Flies, but Um, Is it more so that ultimately humans are bad and there's more bad than good? Or is it ultimately humans are good and there's more good than bad? We have laws and we have jails and we have a system that kind of makes sure the bad can't be too bad. That's why I think ultimately you can kind of push up society from the bottom. But also before there was global education and mass, um, like before there was even everybody gets a job or before there was the industrial revolution and before there was even subsistence farming, there was hunters and gatherers, which is like, you eat what you kill. And then we decided, Hey, it would be better for everybody. If let's just chill for a second. If we stay in this spot, you know what I mean? And see what we can all do as a society. I think society does get better incrementally with time, even the industrial revolution. And then like the Apple revolution, I don't even know what it's called. Like every few years, Society does do better for itself. If we keep going, locking up the large number of people in society will kind of limit the amount of the effects that bad billionaires could have. So naturally, I feel like we've... um... We've gone down like several different avenues and we've run down some and we've like sort of walked down another. But I think, (laughs) I don't know what analogy that was. I think something interesting that you said, Lola, about the royalty. And I just want to ask you, Nasia, like what does happen if we, going back to sort of this original idea of reducing the wealth of the rich, because I think your initial point was that we can't control a lot of things, but we can control money. But then what happens to our royalty? And as we know, they don't have a lot of control over our society, but their place is definitely established. That's something that hasn't been moved. You know, as different policies come and go, that's something that does stay the same. So what, what happens to that? Do we sort of just limit their capacity? I just thought it was an interesting dynamic to sort of bring into this debate. It's a tough thing to have an opinion on. There are multiple sides to that debate. You know, are you pro-monarchy or anti-monarchy? You know, it goes against everything that I've been saying about the lottery of birth and privilege. They don't live like me, okay? I don't live like them, I'm not pretending. But they have this odd duty. They live in a really nice house, they they go to good schools, but their whole life is under scrutiny and they have to behave in a certain way. It's a kind of separate thing because they're always going to live like that and they're always going to live in that house. And I'm not pro-monarchy, but I'm not anti either. I don't think that they're the billionaires I'm talking about because I think they give up a lot of them of their selves to do that job. I would love to be Bill Gates. I don't want to be the queen. I do want to ask a question, a kind of a follow-up question. 
I kind of feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of feel like a poor kid who is chilling, running free in the countryside of, you know, wherever might feel the same way about our lives, right? Like they might say like, I really like the fact that they have a lot of money, like for me anyway, like somebody like Bill Gates, right? Why can we easily say this guy's name? You know what I'm saying? Like I wouldn't want people to just easily say my name. So like, I feel like a poor kid might be like, yeah, I'm hungry, but I'm full at the end of the day. Like, and this is the African in me that like grew up getting to hang out with people who don't have that much, like family members who don't get to have that much. At the end of the day, some of them are still very, very happy with their lives and wouldn't want yeah. to trade lives with me because I do have to go to work all the time. I do have to answer the people. I do have to wear clothes that aren't comfortable where they may not get to have the opportunity that I may have just the same way I may not get to go to all the different balls and galas that the queen may go to. At the end of the day, I don't want what she has any more than somebody who's hella poor but free may not want what I have. So that's why I get, I run into an issue when we try to make decisions, you know, based on equality for people at that lower level, because it's like, do they even want the life that we're trying to push on them? For me, that's the point I'm making is, I'm not saying we all have to be equal. I'm not saying that we all have to have the same outcomes. I'm saying that you, me and Ife should all have the right to be either. It's like the same with housewives, right? I think all girls should go to school. I will never judge a girl who says they want to stay home and look after their kids, because that's a job, right? You made the educated decision to stay home, but no one should make that decision for you. But the point is, is like if I want to go and work and wear tight suits and be everywhere and, and, you know, have a name for myself and a brand, I can if I want to. And that's the difference. I'm not imposing anything on anybody, but I'm saying you can do whatever you want. I think that was a great, great point to end on. Before you sort of go into your closing statements and throw out your like best remarks, what I'm going to make my decision on is control, choice and purpose. What setup limits that choice of actually living out your full purpose? What is more realistic in achieving what I feel like is society's betterment? As vague as that is, I'm just going to ask you guys to sort of close and I will make some sort of decision or align with some sort of side. I think that in all things moderation, right? Like I understand that if we're talking about realistic solutions, I do think you're, you're probably going to have to pinch some pennies at the top. How you go about doing that, I think, is what we should probably focus more on as a society. I don't know if y'all have ever watched the Netflix show Black Mirror. There's another part of Black Mirror, it's called Bandersnatch, and it's all about choices and predetermination versus free will. And um, that's a very deep conversation, but in closing, that at the end of the day, pinch pennies at the top to give it to the bottom, but um, be careful when you do that because rich people always find ways to go through loopholes. I think that you're better off looking, playing with other societal mechanisms than focusing solely on economics. If you really want to limit inequality in society, I think that um, inequality is an, is an effect of many different factors of society, where they live, what their lifestyle has been like, what, what opportunities they've had access to, and all those things have will also play a big factor in why inequality is so prevalent, and even the government that they're born into is also a huge factor. Okay, so I'd like to start with agreeing with the sense that I think that addressing inequality is more than an economic issue. 
but I'm just going to talk a bit about Corona right now because I think it's actually relevant in the sense of I, I think that capitalism can cloud humanity and that when something really awful happens, like Corona, the stocks are falling, money doesn't matter, shops are closed, people are going out of their way, spending their hard-earned cash and donating it. People are knocking, knocking on elderly people's doors and checking if they're okay. And I think when we kind of strip back all of the the stuff that we are told is important by people who have more money and power than us, we are all human beings who do have good nature. And I think, yes, there'll be good billionaires and yes, there'll be bad billionaires. But you made a really good point, Lola, is all they're trying to do is stay rich. They're just protecting themselves. If we get defensive, we become aggressive. And people are just trying to protect their own. And I understand that. But my point is, is that people can be altruistic. I think people can give. And that I think we have created a system that allows people to make that much money. And if we can create that system, we can also provide solutions to restrict it. But I do genuinely think that with the right distribution, with people actually thinking about their money, like people, billionaires can be like Bill Gates, because right now people really are giving. And I think that that is because all of the kind of excess stuff has been stripped away and we're literally just human beings on the verge of nearly dying in a weird sense. And that is actually making people give. And so I think when you take away that need to protect yourself and that like animalistic behavior of I've got to protect mine and my own, we do actually want to give to other people. Okay, so um, I'm about to do the most cop out thing I have ever done on this podcast. I'm just going to let the audience decide because frankly, what on earth? I cannot make this decision on my own. Like, I can't. There's just too many things to consider. And I think the fact that you guys sort of jumped to each other's side when it suited you um, sort of proves that as well. So, audience, it's on you. Whose side do you align with more? I will say, though, and this is like an interesting thought, and I guess this could be me aligning towards Lola's side. Just what you said about Corona is interesting, because before then I sort of was like, you know what, I'm not deciding. But I've seen so many um, tweets that have said, we're proving that we can be collectivists. We're proving that people can work from home. We're proving all of these things. Call me pessimistic, but that's for now. I don't think it's a sustainable solution. I don't think it is like the most effective way. I don't think our society can thrive on this. But at the same time, I don't know if I'm just saying that because it hasn't. But thank you guys so much for this conversation. You're both definitely educated. I think one of my favorite guests. Love the transatlantic action as well. Next week, we'll be back with another topic. So uh, stay tuned and catch up on any episodes you might you might have missed. Thank you, Lola, and thank you, Nasia.